Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined once again by my sister. We are going to be talking about the 2015 kind of spring TV. I don't recall season. We're kind of at the mid-season point. But some of the shows we talked about uh, in our previous one of these episodes, um, just now starting up, uh, Gallivant, we talked about there. Um, It's starting up now that we're in January. Um, Agent Carter's starting up. We've got a bunch of new shows. And it's interesting because at the beginning of the, the fall season, that's when most of the new shows come out. We've, uh, Sam and I have already talked about how a lot of these shows have been doing, you know, are some going to get canceled? Are they going to get renewed? Are they not? This is kind of, now that we've gotten past the holidays, when the networks kind of adjust their schedule a bit, um, you know, Monday Night Football kicks in, so that changes uh, the lineup for one of the networks there. And they, they, they bring in, I don't want to say their second wave, but a couple of new shows. So, before recording this, the two of us just spent, what, about an hour or so? At uh, least. Uh, hour, hour and a half, uh, going through a lot of the different trailers that you had found. Now, a lot of those are up on YouTube. Most um, of what I had found came from YouTube. I think between YouTube and IMDb, anyone who's curious about one of these shows can easily search for the show, find the trailer, and and watch the stuff. They may not see the exact ones we did, but frankly, there's nothing special about the ones we saw. Um, if anything, I would say that the trailers for mid-season shows are harder to find and are a bit disappointing compared to the trailers that come out for the fall shows and even for the summer shows. You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because one of the things I was noticing as we were watching these things is there were one or two shows. It's like, okay, that's that's a little interesting. But by and large, a lot of these were not ones that I watched the the trailer for and just got really excited about. Part of it's the nature of some of these shows. Some of these tend to be a lot darker, um, a lot more uh, almost supernatural or kind of creepy. It almost felt like we were watching a bunch of shows that seemed like they should have launched around Halloween in some cases. Because it was more the thrillers, the, the, the darker, gloomier stuff, which just doesn't resonate with me. Some people, they're going to love some of these shows. That was definitely the case for some of the shows. And in some of the cases, it was just the the types of trailers they had been put together. They had put, tried to put together very shocking trailers for yeah. uh, Secrets and Lies, for Wayward Pines, even for Dig over on USA Network. There are quite a few trailers where, at the end of the trailer, I still wasn't quite sure what the show was about. Yeah, and that's increasingly a problem, I think. Shows are afraid to give too much away. It's increasingly the problem is either, for especially for comedies, they'll mm. use too many of the punchlines in the trailer. You don't want to give away all the goods in the trailer. Yeah. And I could definitely see where that's a challenge. So those are the two ends of the spectrum. Either the trailers, I feel, give me all the highlights or none of the highlights. And I come out going, but but wait a second. I still need to go find a pitch or a synopsis of your show and find yeah. out what you're about because I just didn't get enough from what you were putting out there. 
Well, once again, let's try to go as much as we can in the order of, of original air dates of when these shows are going to start up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess one we probably ought to start with would be The Librarians then, because we're already about five episodes into a ten-episode season. We are, and I'm loving The Librarians so oh. far, I gotta say. They've got a wonderful sense of humor to them. Uh, Christian Kane is doing a wonderful job of, I want to say, awkwardly fighting but not being the great fighter that he was over on Leverage. It's funny because Dean Devlin is doing this show. He did Leverage. Christian Kane was is in the Librarians and was in uh, uh, Leverage. Uh, Jonathan Frakes, uh, Commander Riker from Next Generation, is doing some of the directing. Matter of fact, the episode we watched tonight, uh, he did that. We're... We watch everything on tape delay, essentially. Um, but he also did the Librarians films. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he did quite a few episodes of Leverage, too. He did. A lot of cross-pollination. And Christian Kane is playing the art historian, the the geek. Yes. But he's also a farm boy, a cowboy. He's not the same character he was on Leverage. But there's enough similarities. Well, and they're they're poking fun at that. At one point in the episode... We watched uh, tonight, and I wish I could get uh, the title of that episode right. It was the one with right. the, the, uh, the fairy fables. tales. The fables were coming true, and uh, he threw an axe with great precision, which is something his leverage character mm. could have done. And somebody says, "You know, where'd you learn to that do that?" And he goes, "I don't know. I I." And he started they, to have an explanation, and it's almost like, "Wait, wrong show." Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and I loved that because they were poking fun at themselves. Well, he's a strong actor. Rebecca Remain's doing a terrific job here. Oh, she is. John Larroquette's knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. He's just a, a wonderfully talented actor. The other uh, actors and stuff are, are strong, good supporting players and John stuff. John Kim is rocking it as the, the as Jack. Ezekiel, as Ezekiel, as the... the the rogue thief or whatever. Yeah. Uh, with the heart of gold. Not really, though. It's Well, I, yeah, heart of gold is a hard way to put it. But, you know, in one episode, the apple of discord, you know, where well, it was. Well, let's not give too much away of particular no, episodes. but, but... The, the punchline of it, if you will, was when you got hold of the apple, the worst of yourself came out. And it was fascinating in that one to see what happened to each person yeah. when they got what hold of the, the apple. What is the worst version of each of them? Yeah. Because throughout the thing, all of them got it. Yes. Yes. Including Noah Wiley, who was in that episode as yeah. Flynn Carson. And I, I think I'm glad they did that so early in the series. It helped establish the characters, and they waited a couple episodes mm-hmm. in, so we'd gotten enough time with them. Yeah. So, again, uh, Librarians, we talked about that on the previous one. We've watched, I think, five of the ten for the season. Yeah. Uh, strong show, a lot of fun. If you watched uh, Warehouse 13, um, Eureka, obviously Leverage, it's got the episodic aspect done in one, you know, mm-hmm. through line of story. Character progression and arc across the season, it looks like. Um, definitely worth checking out. Yeah. So, our basic plan is to go just in order of when these shows are coming yeah. out. Um, this is going to go up after a few of them have already aired, but we haven't actually seen, for instance, Gallivant, which first aired January 4th, and we've recorded it, but haven't watched yeah. it yet. Uh, but we've watched the... Um, 
We watched the trailer and we talked about that yeah. on the fall one because I had thought it was coming out earlier. Yeah. It's a musical. They're doing it as kind of a January event. Yeah. And one of the things that fascinated me when I was looking for trailers was I saw these musical trailers for all of the comedies on the network. And I noticed when I recorded it and I was flipping through to make sure I recorded it okay. All of the commercials during Gallivant for the other comedies on the network are musical commercials. That's interesting. Which I just, I thought that was a nice way for the network to support the show and its other shows. To me, it's it's a clear gamble and a risk. Can they get the musical comedy kind of thing going? They're experimenting with it. They're doing it for a couple of weeks. They're not putting all their eggs in a basket there. No, but everything I've seen, it it has kind of the flavor and the feel, not the genre necessarily, but of Aladdin. Somewhere between Aladdin, I almost want to say the airplane movies, there's a, a silliness about it. There's definitely a silliness, but that, I mean, I loved both the the... The joy, if you will, of Robin Williams' genie in Aladdin mm -hmm. and the fun of the music from the Aladdin animated and everything I've seen both in the animated uh, opening credits that they released, gosh, at least two weeks ago. Uh, Monty Python this. and the Holy Grail. Yes. It's got that sensibility. Yeah. It's got the songs. It's got the the upbeat joyous silliness yeah. while taking itself a little too seriously also at the same time. It's, yeah. It's a very interesting blend. Yeah. It's got uh, from Psych, Timothy... Uh, Amundsen. Amundsen. Yeah. Who, uh, the when he was doing the singing on the clips we saw, knocking it out of the park, doing a great job, really carries it off, both in terms of the look, the character, the, the, the body language, and the singing. Yes. Um... I would say he definitely put the time in on making sure he had the, the singing up to par for this. Well, and I, I think part of why he did this and part of why they did the uh, the musical episode of Psych kind of one bled into the other. I yes. don't know which bled into which, but clear departure from his previous role. And it's good to see him show that kind of really uh, extreme range. Well, and we were watching the trailer or the commercial that was saying that they were going to have sort of the holy grail of guest stars with John Stamos. John Stamos, he looked interesting there. A uh, oh. weird owl, yeah. which the moment I saw him, I'm like, that sounds like just the perfect guest star for the tone I think they're setting in this show. And just looking over the team they put together behind the scenes and noticing that the composer is Alan Menken. From The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, mm -hmm. and Beauty and the Beast might explain part of why I feel it has this. This is ABC, right? I really want to triple check before I say that. Yes, this is ABC. Which is part of Disney, which yes. goes towards kind of a, a, a leveraging of, of yes. some of their skill sets across uh, divisions or whatever. Yeah. Again, this is the kind of thing that is totally different than everything else on the dial. Yes. There's nothing else on TV like this right now. So it gives it a, a, a clear uniqueness. It's also one that could fall flat on its face if they don't pull it off. Well, and I think that's one of the advantages of doing the eight episodes over four weeks. Oh, yeah. Just put it right out there while it's got some great momentum. Uh, the lyricist is from The Little Mermaid and Tangled. And I think there's 
there's kind of a rhythm and a joy to the lyrics as well. These were well done songs. Yeah. You know, they they were obviously different than a standard musical. They're going more for the comedy, that kind yeah. of a deal. But they're quality songs. I mean, yeah. they've, they've got, again, the, the music, the lyrics. It's it's not something they just slap together and, you know, well, I guess you can kind of sing it. But these are catchy tunes. You know, mm-hmm. it's got a lot going for it in terms of, again, strong cast, strong background, uh, people behind the scenes. It's just a question of will the audience respond to it or not. Yes. And both will it do well on TV and if and when they put it on DVD, which is a virtual guarantee, how does that do? Does it become a cult classic down the line? Or is it something this time next year it's like everyone's totally forgotten about? Yeah. It's, to me, a huge a huge gamble but not a huge risk. Yeah. They're taking a definite chance here, but they don't really have a whole lot as far as I can tell. And Sam might be able to, to say Very differently true. on this. I don't think they've got a lot at stake in this. If it flops, eh, oh well. Well, and just the feel of it, I think it it's a fun four-week adventure. I think if they tried going for a whole season, I'd be worried. But I for, thought they were doing a full season yeah. at first when we did the previous episode yeah. on this. So a four-week, two episodes, it's a four hours TV. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I... I'm excited to watch it all, quite frankly. Just everything I see coming out just looks like a bunch of fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's one where I recorded it. And like I said, I immediately checked to make sure that it didn't have any glitches in the recording so we could watch it together. It's yeah. one where if it weren't on our list to watch it together, I would have already watched it. Well, and this is uh, beginning of January is the time of year I tend to get behind on particularly television. Because your birthday's coming yeah, up, I our know. parents, mom just had one, dad's got a birthday, yeah. plus I've got the uh, the December sales numbers coming up, I've got to do the previous episode, oh, and oh wait, the year-end numbers, so it's just a busy couple of it weeks is. for me. It is. But, you know, again, we've got some fun stuff. The other one that's starting up uh, any day now is Agent Carter. Agent Carter is a Tuesday, January 6th premiere. And what intrigued me was that they went with a two-hour premiere because I knew that it was a limited run. Eight-week event, so I guess nine hours. Yeah. Possibly ten if they go for a two-hour finale. Yeah, and that was part of what had intrigued me was knowing that it was that short chunk, if you will, mm-hmm. that it would be, was trying to figure out how many hours it was. Because they keep talking about this eight-week event. Yeah. And stuff. And set in 1946. So period piece. Mm-hmm. Ties into the movies kind of sort well, not kind of sort of, directly from the Cap stuff. Yes. But not part and partial of the current day stuff. So I think it'll capture, at least initially, the S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. viewers. Will it keep them or not? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think this sort of a let's do a short story, you know, couple of week thing is a great idea because it would allow them to do characters that they can't do a full series on. It doesn't make sense to do in S.H.I.E.L.D., but they could expand the Marvel Cinematic Universe quite a bit this way over the years. I like it as an eight-week event. I'm not sure I like losing eight weeks of S.H.I.E.L.D. for I don't know happen. that we are. I think we're getting it in essentially the hiatus period. It depends how long the second half of the season is for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And if we the, get another ten episodes, I don't think we've lost. See, and that's why I want to know. That's what I'm... As long as I get my full season of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm really thrilled if I miss out on my full season of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
I will be disappointed because I want to have my cake and eat it too. If this works out exceptionally well, I could see possibly um, Arrow and Flash doing kind of what Stephen Amell had suggested of a uh, an, an eight-week or whatever uh, Suicide Squad thing. Unlikely, given they're doing a Suicide Squad movie. True, but wouldn't it be fun? But if they did that with Flash, they could do a, a kind of a, a interlude series, if you will, of Firestorm. Oh, and again, wouldn't it be fun? Yeah. When... And both would be natural fits to augment those shows. Yeah. So it be interesting, again, to see how this does, um, both in terms of, of how Marvel chooses to use it, if the DC properties emulated or not. Yeah. Well, and the trailer we watched on Agent Carter, uh, we watched two of them. One was a scene, really, and uh, one was sort of a series of clips in between her talking to her roommate, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I, I just keep coming back to that exchange with her roommate where her roommate says, you know, you work at the phone company. Mm -hmm. It's not life or death. And you've just had these clips of what she's really doing. I think the scene we saw in the one, which was that whole thing at their apartment, is essentially like the first scene potentially in the series. Mm -hmm. And the and in the other trailer, same part of that scene, smaller part of it, but just intercut to show us the action throughout the series. Yeah, yeah. Kind and of, it may start this way, but trust us, it gets yeah more exciting or something. Well, and I I think they're really going to show us a lot of the women were doing a lot while the men were overseas during World War II, and then the men came back and reclaimed their lives. Well, it's a period of adjustment for everybody yeah. at that point, so the period piece aspect will appeal to some people. I'm curious if they can set predecessors for various Marvel characters or not well, or if it's not going to try to do that. I mean... For that matter, will we get Trips, I believe, Grandfather? I hope so. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we don't get Trips, Grandfather, Dum Dum Dugan, and some of the other classic World War II-ish characters. And just one of the guest stars that pops out at me is uh, Lindsay, I want to say her last name is Fonseca. She was the daughter on How I Met Your Mother from all those flashback scenes. Ah, okay. And she is going to be playing Angie Martinelli, which I don't know if this is one of the agents or what, but I saw her in the list of guest stars, and it was just kind of the, you know, after, what was that, nine seasons. I gotta wonder if Colby Smolder, who plays um, Marie Hill, or she plays in the, the, the Avengers movies and stuff, She mm -hmm. from How You Met Your Mother, you know yes, what I mean? Yes, yes. If, if somehow that helped. yeah. It's who you know. Yeah, it is. Well, and it was just kind of the looking at that and going, that's right, she's a grown-up now. I mean, for so long on those flashback scenes, she was kind of immortalized at pretty much the one age. Mm -hmm. So, but just really nice to see her popping up here. And I think they've put together a good cast, for that matter. Yeah. For um, Agent Carter. So... That's definitely on the list of shows I'm looking forward to. One of the shows that I got you to watch the trailer for, but I don't know how long I'll stick with, is Empire, which comes out January 7th. Empire looked interesting. That's about uh, basically a recording, almost like, seemed like a Motown-ish or rap music kind of a... It, it's... Uh, was that the... What network is that on? That's on Fox. Fox. If you had said BET, that wouldn't have surprised me. 
Yeah. I think it's very much geared towards that target demographic. Um, it's got uh, Terrence Howard. Yeah. And it had from a uh, person of interest. Taraji P. Henson. Yeah. So Two amazing Academy Award nominated actors. Yeah. Uh, Timbaland is doing the music, which if you're going to do a music empire mm -hmm. to steal their title uh, show, getting someone like Timbaland to come in and do your music yeah. makes sense. It looked like it was going to be a high quality production. It also looked like something that frankly was just not of interest to me personally, but I think the people that would that would be into that sort of thing. I think they'll probably be very pleased by it. It looks like they're doing, pulling all the stops out and going, you know, whole hog and, it, and doing a really good show. It looks like a really well developed. I don't want to use the phrase soap opera, even though I think it could have aspects of that. But a a nighttime drama is very much going to be the either fifteen or twenty years ago. Terrence Howard was a young man with a drug background in sales. Well, it, it comes down to he winds up and he, current day in charge of a, 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 a record empire. Yes, yes. He's got he's diagnosed with a, a fatal disease. He's got like a couple of years left. Mm -hmm. He's got three kids. He's got to pick who's going to be his successor. Yeah, and he knows, first of all, he knows his whole empire was built on this less than pure background mm -hmm. of finances. But the second thing he knows is that his ex-wife went to jail for 15 years for those crimes. And right as he's being diagnosed with this, she's getting out of jail saying, I want my half of the pie, honey. Well, it's got a lot of nighttime soap potential. Mm -hmm. It does. It comes across to me as a Dallas or dynasty. Definitely. For um, inner city, I don't say inner city, it's not, for our generation period, quite frankly. Well, for our generation, but I think it's also, a lot of shows, uh, even to this point, are, you know, either black shows, predominantly uh, African-American, you know, cast or whatever. This is very much geared towards that style of music, that type of music empire. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's rich with, with story potential. If you look back 30 or 40 years ago to when Dallas was coming out, when Dynasty was coming out, we were still fascinated with cowboys, yeah, with oil, it's, and those were the things that they grounded those shows in. What is an iconic visual and, and mm -hmm. archetype? Mm -hmm. And frankly, if you were to try to tell this empire-type story, but do it with boy bands, it would feel dated, mm -hmm. and no one would watch it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the fact that they've got some really strong talent as the mm -hmm. lead actors and stuff, uh, I think it could do really well. Again, yeah. not something I personally am interested in. Yeah. You know? And quite frankly, the cast is the thing that caught my eye and got me to read, okay, what are they doing here? And has got me saying, okay, I'm going to watch a few episodes and see what are they doing. Yeah. Because both of Terrence Howard and Taraji P. Henson, they're just amazing every time they're on screen. Yeah. And the whole time I was watching the trailer, I was just glued to them with these performances they're giving. And they are at different stages in their life. It does look like we get flashbacks that cover quite a bit of time. If this were a weak television season overall, mm -hmm. and I was just struggling to find stuff, I'd yeah. certainly check it out. Yeah, definitely. But 
and that's, we're not at that kind of a TV season for me. And that's my fear of why I won't stick with it. And that's the only reason I think I yeah. won't stick with it is I have too many shows on my plate already. And quite frankly, I think it's going to be a complex show. I think it'll be narratively rich. I think there'll yes. be a lot of elements, a lot of storylines, a lot of, of depth to it. Yes. Um, and I think it's going to be something that we're going to hear a lot about. Yeah. And I, I think that those are the things that are going to make me say, I'm not sure I can stick with it. Yeah. Because or I'm not that into you, it. Yeah. There's some shows I am a lazy viewer of. Yeah. There are other shows, no, I'm really into it. I I, I see the pieces moving mm-hmm. around the board. Yeah. There are others, it's like, just spell it out for me, damn it. Yeah. And it's it depends on my level of interest. Yeah. Now, the flip side, though, is I can see this being a show that come next summer, when I am at a down point in my TV viewing and I've caught up on everything... Going to marathon. I could see this being also a sleeper hit that does well either on DVD, Netflix, whatever. Yeah. And it's something that I hope they give it the time it needs to establish an audience. Yeah. Yeah. So. And if they don't have a cross showing, you know, deal with BET or something. Yeah. They're missing an opportunity. Yeah. Or, um, and, you know, I do not know my music channels, but whatever music channel is showing the music of Timbaland. I don't, I mean, I know there's more than MTV and VH1 out there now. I don't even know if MTV and VH1 show show music music anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. What's uh, next? Moving on, I believe we are still on January 7th, but ironically moving over to VH1. Hindsight. That's the one where a woman's about to get married to her second husband has the, oh, I wish I could do some stuff all over again. Elevator lights go on as she's falling down. Boom, she's now back 10 years. Apparently, if you take that elevator the wrong way, you get older. I don't know. Okay, now, see, that's how it is in the trailer. My understanding from the description I had read somewhere. Okay, yeah, that's how it is in this description, too. I'm reading She essentially wakes up on the, yeah. do- uh, on the morning of her first, first marriage 20 years, 10 years, 20 years. 20. 20 years earlier. 20 years earlier, mm-hmm. and can now do things differently. Mm-hmm. I've seen a number of different shows over the years with that basic premise. There was one, I forget the name of it, I think it was originated out of Canada, where a girl goes to a, like a life counselor type thing, and kind of, what are your regrets? And she, she tells one of the regrets, and then gets a chance to go fix that back in the past. And The, I, the one with the judge... Is that the one you're thinking of? No, not no. the one where it was twice in a lifetime. Yeah, twice in a lifetime. This I was a different one show. where it was. Oh shoot, I don't even know yeah. the name of it. It was the life of so and so, or the regrets yeah. of so and so, whatever. Hmm. So I mean, we've seen this concept yeah, yeah. before a number of times. It's not a bad concept. It, yeah, but I I don't know. I mean, I've never watched a scripted show on VH1. They've never had a scripted show on VH1. Yeah, see, that's what their I first thought. one. That's what I thought. And, um, you know, it, it looked okay, mm-hmm. but I'm not looking for scripted stuff off VH1. I have nothing against this show, but it's also nothing that made me think, wow, I've got to watch this. There weren't any actors that really popped for me. There's nothing about the, the concept of the writing, and it, it may be a perfectly great show. Yeah, it. I mean, I I enjoyed the tone of the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some lines... I. 
I liked like when she was telling her best friend when my life fell apart and I needed you and we weren't in touch anymore and all I had for you was an old AOL address and she's trying to kindly tell her friend that, you know, AOL. It, it fell out of fashion. Yes. Again, 20 years ago, things were different. Yes. And I, I liked the approach they were taking to it in that respect. It just struck me as something where initially we'll get a little of that, of, ooh, it's, mm. it's VHS, mm -hmm. it's not DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah, it's, yeah. But I got feeling a few episodes in, we'll get the occasional comment about that, but it won't be a part of the show. Yeah, I, I wondered how much of a 1995 soundtrack we'd have, how much of... I want to say the original flavor of VH1 would come through. I guess I don't think we're going to get the feeling of the time period like we get in Guardians of the Galaxy mm. with the feeling of the 70s. Yeah. And for a, a movie that was set in space off yes. Earth to yes. really be evocative of a time frame on Earth. Yeah. And this this is VH1. They've got everything they need mm -hmm. in terms of the knowledge of the culture, etc. to really pull that off. Yeah. I just don't know if if that's going to be one of their goals. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I was going to say we'll see how it goes, but I won't. Yeah. I mean, it definitely to me felt like it was more aimed at us gals. Mm -hmm. It definitely has sweeter tone and a, you know, I've got a second chance. I'm going to do it right this time feel. And it's on the list of I want to try it out. I just don't know if I'll make it to that point. Yeah. So, now, I don't normally tune into the Travel Channel at all, but a show called Expedition Unknown from the Travel Channel actually made it onto my radar. Um, they have a guy who's an archaeologist, and I'm not going to say slightly crazy, but we'll say more adventurous than I shall ever be, uh, who is, you know, going and looking for where they think Amelia Earhart got lost and mm. things of that nature. And the uh, stuff we hear about and nobody ever does anything about, he's yeah, gonna go. Yeah, he's gonna give it a try. All right. Can he find Gilligan's Island? No. Yeah, I'd like to know. It's um, uh, it's one of those things where I think some of these cable channels are trying to branch out, and some of these are not bad concepts, but it does feel like they're stretching a little bit. Well, and you know, so many people have talked, for instance, about the places where Amelia Earhart might have gone down, but. So rarely do you see any of the, and somebody went and somebody looked. Yeah. That having somebody like Travel Channel actually go with some cameras and show you, you know. It's an interesting twist on a travel documentary. Yeah. If you've got the right guy doing it, and even if they know they're not going to find anything, or maybe they do, they get lucky, whatever, that seems unlikely. If they can make it interesting, give you enough of, it was worth the, the journey. Yeah. I could see where people could be into that. I tend not to go for those sort of travel documentaries of any sort just to begin with. Yeah. But again, there's a couple of channels devoted to that stuff, so. Well, and like I said, it's not normally something, you know, a channel that is on my radar, but it just sounds kind of interesting. I could see where an off episode could be interesting, but I don't think I'd invest in the series personally. Yeah. It's one where I will definitely be Picking and choosing my episodes. Knowing what they're going to come out with ahead of time could be advantageous. Yeah. 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 Looking for Captain Morgan's pirate ship was one of the descriptions. And again, like I said, they just had a few subjects. Yeah. It sounded like a, hmm, 
I'm curious. I, well, I different wonder... things will pop for different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually just surprised that ABC Family has Melissa and Joey switched at birth, The Fosters, several shows that are now in their third and fourth seasons, and I've been watching them throughout. And I know that would be interesting to have Sam dig up the, some of the numbers on because those I think are longer run than a lot of shows um, on on some of the major networks. Yeah, I mean, Melissa and Joey, as in Melissa Joan Hart and Joey Lawrence, uh, it's a sitcom that is consistently humorous, to me at least, but it's a show that has consequences. You know, the- Well, it's an all-ages show, but yes. it's not a kid's show. What's interesting, though, is I think ABC Family is quietly doing some really good television. I mean, I've heard good yeah. things about Switched at Birth and stuff. Yeah. Uh, from you, from other yeah. people. But- it's one that I think often gets overlooked as just it's out there. Well, on Melissa and Joey, um, they're taking care of her niece and nephew is the basic plot line. And the nephew goes on a school trip and gets caught doing pot and he gets expelled from school. It's not a done in one episode. He went, he did pot. It's over. So then they have a ongoing plot line of homeschooling. And all the trials and tribulations of a teenager being home 24-7. Interesting. So they're basically letting some of the stories play out over the long term. Yeah. That's... You know, and the the peer pressure consequences of he did something that got him in trouble, which meant he got thrown out of school, which meant people unfriended him on Facebook because it was embarrassing to be connected to the expelled kid. What's fascinating to me is that may be a more effective way to communicate oh, to yeah. that age group. Don't do some of these things. Hear the consequences. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah. And it shows a certain almost social responsibility from that production crew. Oh, yeah. I've really been enjoying this show. Interesting. Yeah. And the latest twist at the end of the last season, uh, Melissa and Joey were at the altar. They're saying their vows. Joey has sworn, I'll never keep a secret from you. And Melissa has found out a secret the night before from the drunk future sister-in-law. And she feels so guilty keeping the secret that she leans forward, whispers it in his ear, and then says, oh, I feel better. Now I can say my vows. Which, of course, freaks him out because she just whispered in his ear, you have a daughter you don't know about. Mm. So that puts a whole <laughs> new spin on the show, yeah. You know, but it's this great, some girl you slept with basically when you were in college, I think it was, got pregnant and didn't tell you, and now you have to figure out what you're going to do 15 years later with that well, information. On a typical sitcom, that would be interesting, but for something that, like you said, has, let's play this out, let's have ramifications, it's an interesting way for the writers to say, you know, we're going to change things up next season. We're going to throw this into the mix. They're bringing the girl into the household. Kind of figured they would. Yeah. Huh. And it it's fascinating to me. The And like you were saying with Switched at Birth, it's another show where consistently they have consequences. Well, Melissa Joan Hart was in Sabrina. She was in Clarissa Explains It All. Has done a number of TV movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Lawrence was in... Uh, Blossom. Yes. And then Brotherly Love. Yes, but before that, he was the little boy on the show with Nell Carter. Give me a break? Yes. Wow, I hadn't realized that. 
these are two actors that have been, despite their relatively young age, doing series television for, in some cases, decades. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Joey Lawrence is, I want to say, give or take, 40 years old and has been working in the industry since he was five. Wow, I, I was thinking he was younger than that. But mm. either way, I mean, these are not, I mean, they're not people that you think, oh, wow, these are big movie stars. No, they're not. They're, mm -hmm. they're time-tested talent. They know what they're doing. They're professionals at this. And to basically spin their career in this way, again, on ABC Family, by and large doing, I think, unrecognized work, yeah. it's interesting. It's something that it's easy to fall into the trap of what's on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, CW, and, well, I guess there's nothing on. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff on other networks. Yeah. Um, this is, again, ABC Family. Librarians is on TNT. We just talked about a VH1 show. Yeah. Um. And that's part of why I wanted to mention, because I know that a lot of the folks listening probably are not avid Switched at Birth fans, or like The Fosters, another ABC Family show that is about two women who are married, and one of the women brought a son to the marriage, they've adopted twins mm -hmm. that they've had in the household forever, and at the very beginning of the series, which I want to say is now in its second season, a uh, social worker came to them and said, we have two kids that need to go into the foster system. They're siblings, and we don't have a house that can take two kids. Can you please take two kids so we don't have to split them up into separate group homes? Hmm. And it's this show that is doing a fascinating exploration of what does it mean to be family? Yeah. Do you have to have blood in common? Do you have to be... 100% related, or does being a half-sibling change that? Does growing up in the same home as someone who has 50% DNA with you or 100% DNA with you matter? Everyone knows what family is, mm -hmm. but there's also an aspect of, of defining it that's fairly elusive at times. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah, and they've they've done some great episodes about finding your forever home and referring to a home as your safe harbor and your anchor and your place where well, you're always welcome and safe. And, and there are people who went through the foster system who know hmm. people have or, or adopted or whatever that at some level w this would resonate with them. Yes. You know, and back in, in the day, uh, I mean, there was TV Guide. They would do their fall specials and stuff. TV Guide still exists, but it is not what it was. Yeah. So a lot of these shows, I think there, there are people out there that would enjoy them if they could just find them. Yeah. Which is, again, part of why we do episodes like this now. Yeah. Well, and it's part of why I wanted to mention some of the shows that I'm not sure whether or not people are necessarily looking for or would catch their interest. But even if it's a show that maybe you know someone who it's, hey, I may not be into this, but I yeah. know someone who maybe I can mention it to them. And then switching totally back to something I hope people will be interested in. The Musketeers is getting a second season on BBC America. I've You've mentioned you've got the first season I've on I've got the first season on, on DVD. DVD. Which is good. That means I can free up some space on the DVR. Yeah. Uh, I've got those. Haven't watched them. I'm curious. I think it's a 10-episode first season. I think that's something, that, frankly, we could do a marathon on some free weekend. 
Yet that's one where every time the commercials come on, it just grabs my eye and I gravitate to it. And then I say, oh yeah, I'm so glad I've recorded it. And then I want to watch it with you. And that's why I haven't gotten it watched yet. I need a shorter to watch with my brother list. Yeah, I know the feeling. And we may wind up having to (laughs) split a few things and just parallelize and watch separately. That's my problem. What's interesting to me about The Musketeers is it's one of many period piece kind of genre shows Mm -hmm. that are coming on these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything from Spartacus to... uh, uh, Well, and these days we've got such great wardrobe departments out there and people are finding such wonderful locations. Well, and this is BBC America. I mean, BBC can do period pieces like nobody can. True, true. But, I mean, you look at um, Game of Thrones, you look at all of these other shows that Mm. are on different channels and such, we are so not limited to the current day and age as terms of what we can tell stories on mm-hmm. television these days. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. And again, the, the Musketeers seems to really capture the time, the period, and immerse you in it. And the Musketeers are just cool. Well, yeah. And the Musketeers is another one, and quite frankly, the librarians I would put in this category, where the music just kind of brings it to life with that bit of flair to it. Both shows have an aspect of swashbuckling to them. Yes. But it's a little subdued in librarians, whereas it doesn't need to be with the Musketeers. Yes. Because they're some of the classic swashbucklers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, that is their their genre. I mean, it's the Earl Flynn, the, the, the mm-hmm. Robin Hood, the, that style of, of action-adventure. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's a flair to it. And that's part of why I want to watch the stuff. It's just yeah. a matter of let's find the time. Yeah. So if at some point we do an episode on the Musketeers season one, yeah, well, you you've know. been warned. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't have it on the list I'm working from, but I'm pretty sure that it's actually the day before the Musketeers. Musketeers is January 17th. I want to say the day before that on the 16th is when 12 Monkeys starts up on sci-fi. I stumbled across a trailer for that. I don't even know where. And I'm like, this was a movie about 10 years ago or something, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, I, see. I don't even have in my DVD collection. Mm. It's a time travel movie, so I'm, there was, I think it seemed more horrorish than I was interested in the time. Maybe Whatever. I may pick it up, but the basic concept of somebody travels back in time to go prevent a major plague outbreak. Okay, I'll check it out. Well, and the trailer I was watching was kind of a, I need this woman's help. I must convince this woman. You're already dead. All these people are already dead. But if you help me, that won't happen. Billions. There's won't an aspect die. of the Terminator thing. Yes. Of of you got to find the woman who could help you or the person who can do it type stuff. Totally unrelated. However, I was ordering my dinner tonight over the telephone from a nice gentleman who informed me that the Terminator will never happen in reality. Computers will never take over the world because they cannot even process a simple dinner order because computers don't work. I can't tell you how many times, because I work in, uh, as, as a software engineer, that it, some of us at work will just look at each other and this is how Skynet starts. <laughs> it was the best argument I've ever heard, though, for Skynet is impossible. I would say it's proof of <laughs> Skynet. What could be more evil than this? Starving us to death. There you go. Um. Twelve Monkeys, though, sci-fi. I think it's showcase in Canada. I think so. Um, And again, when we went to the Toronto Fan Expo and stuff like that, showcase is a... a, Mm. If you get that network, watch it. 
Yeah, I was noticing quite a few of the shows that I was looking for mid-season stuff on Showcase actually had better trailers available on YouTube than what I was finding for our own network. If and when Google Fiber finally hits my neighborhood mm-hmm. and I can get it, I need to find out if I can get Showcase through it. I doubt yeah, it. it's Canadian channel, nice? but it'd be fun. Um, yeah. Okay, so Chasing Life starts up. Again, ABC Family starts up on the 19th. This is another one where I think ABC Family has got to, to put a higher profile on their show. I'd heard about this one. Woman is basically diagnosed with cancer, and it's her battle against it. Yeah, and I I really like the title. She is chasing life. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, surviving cancer. It's not dreading death. Well, it's it's what's important to you and why, and how mm-hmm. do you go after it? Yeah, and... It it's definitely a serial show. Oh yeah, but, something like that's got to be. But every episode is a. This is what I'm determined to do. This is my battle of the day. This is what I'm chasing today. You've got to have the individual battles, and then the other yeah. thing is, do you win the war or not? Kind of a deal. Yeah, you know, uh, they've already aired. I want to say ten episodes. Uh, the lead actress, Italia Ricci, is the fiance of Robbie Amell. Okay, who's Ooh. playing um, uh, Ronnie Raymond over on The Flash, yes. uh, the Burning Man Firestorm. Yeah, and uh, she's doing just a fantastic job. There was an episode already where she found out that the chemo would probably make her infertile. Mm. And she's 24 years old and has, at that point, she's not sure if she has a boyfriend or not. She's just... Trying that to figure like life out. a really heart-wrenching series to watch. It is. But you know what? She says, look, I can't go into chemo being told, even if I live, I can never even try to have a family of my own. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm not going to be defined by this. I'm going to go find out how I have my eggs harvested. I was going to say, you that that's the right answer. How and, do you keep your options open? Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. Yeah. So she goes and she finds out, and then what she finds out is it costs thousands of dollars and she can't possibly afford it. Mm. So again, she's devastated. She goes to her cancer support group, and they have some wonderful conversations in there. And she's just pouring out her heart to this cancer support group. And in walks a guy she has, we'll call it a love-hate relationship with. They've really rubbed one another the wrong Mm -hmm. way every time they've met in the early episodes. And she doesn't know that he is this cancer support group's, we'll call him their own make-a-wish guy. Uh. And he has been secretly funding the final wishes of everybody because he has a brain tumor and he knows he has six months to live. Wow. That's the kind of thing that I think could make the show fascinating to watch, really emotionally rewarding to watch, but also emotionally draining to well, watch. It's fascinating because in the Christmas special they did, uh, he had just been deciding he wasn't going to risk surgery because he had, I think it was a 50% chance of not coming out of it. And really, what was the point of a mm-hmm. 50-50 chance? And her example of you fight, you just always keep trying, convinced him he was giving up by not trying. Interesting. I would go with you fight, but you fight smart. True. It's like the old saying from uh, the Babylon 5 Rangers, live for the one, die for the one. Why is so much emphasis placed on the latter rather than the former? 
Is it not just True. as good to live for the one as to True. die for the you, one? You find the best surgeon, you find the qualified surgeon, etc. Yeah. But to not even look for a surgeon? Yeah. You know. But that That's the kind of show that seems, again, there's, there's going to be a, a contingent that it just totally resonates with. Mm-hmm. Either because they've gone through something similar, they know somebody who's gone through something similar, or just because it, it tugs at the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, it always comes out on the positive, upbeat side, which is you, amazing you, when you, you think about it. You can't do a series like that where it's doom and gloom. It, no, but it's it's so heavy at times that it's amazing. Because like you're saying, it tugs at the heartstrings. It's heavy. But at the end of each episode, you don't come out feeling like you just went through an emotional roller coaster. Well, and that's that's impressive. You come out feeling like you just went through this emotional pep rally. Mm-hmm. You well, know? I, you, again, you've got when you when you do a show like that, you've got to have that as your end goal. Yeah. Because if you don't, all you're doing is basically providing the suicide hotline with yes with calls or whatever. Because that's the kind of thing that if if you handle that sort of the, the battle with cancer or whatever, and, and have it be depressing, it's mm. like jeez, you know yeah. that, that does nobody any good. Yeah. So, again, having something that I think even to our generation, there's the whole, it's, I think, better for our generation than, like, our parents. Mm. I mean, with their generation, I mean, the whole concept, oh, you've got cancer, it's like, oh, my God, you're already dead. Yeah. You know, with us, it's you can fight it, you can battle it. Yeah. You know, but it's still, it's... Not a good, I mean, not, not to right. say it's not a good thing. I mean, well, come on, of course. Our generation has grown up with chemo and with treatment options and with a potential to possibly live with and conceivably go into remission. It's a battle, not a death sentence. It. Yeah. Yeah. So having a show that, that takes that head on, fights that battle and, and has people coming out of, yes, there's hope. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. And again, I think ABC Family, like I was saying earlier, is doing a lot of quality shows yeah. that are just a lot of people aren't aware of. And that's the show that has uh, Stephen Weber from Wings. Ah, right. Uh, he plays um, the uncle mm-hmm. of April, Italia Ricci's character. And uh, he, by dumb luck, was the doctor that she turned to when she she fainted. She's a reporter. She mm-hmm. was at a hospital covering a story, and she fainted. And it, he was working at the hospital, so she's like, "Just, just have my uncle run the blood test and let me out, please. I'm covering a story." Right. And so she didn't think he'd actually run the blood test. She was just trying to get the nurses to leave her alone and let her work. And he had the misfortune of telling his own niece, yeah, "You need wow. to slow down and deal with this." Again, it seems like it could be a really good show. Mm-hmm. I would have to watch that when I was in the right mood. Oh, yes, definitely. It's one that I record and choose my moment to yeah. watch. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it has that potential to rip your heart out. Well, and again, there are so many shows that you really could just watch anytime. It's going to be a mm. basic procedural whodunit or an mm. action adventure thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't really come out of it fundamentally changed in any way. There are other shows that. It's either it's a more involved story, you got to give mm-hmm. it a little more thought, pay a little more attention, or something like this that's just dealing with a more serious matter. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, has, I mean, just while we were watching the trailer, the whole concept of, okay, you, you've got a, something, a disease or whatever, in this case it was cancer, you've only got X amount of time to live. 
the brain immediately goes, what would I do with that? Yeah. If I only had X amount of time. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the kind of thing that instantly shifts your perspective and puts things into perspective. Well, and she is a recent college graduate at her first job. You know, she's something like a year out of school, still living at home because her father mm. died the year before. I mean, they've set it up to be as gut-wrenching as possible. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then we go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Which is? FX channel for Justified. Oh, well, that's another heart-wrenching <laughs> one. It really pulls at the heartstrings in a very different way. I mean, because people die left, right, and center. It's very sad. No, Justified. The uh, the trailers for this. I loved most of the trailers for this season. Let's start with the one that we didn't love as much. And it's basically, here's what's going to happen next season. We're wrapping it up. Let's do a couple of shots of scenes from the next thing. Rapid fire kind of a deal. Okay, fine. Got it. Raylan's going after Boyd. We, I, we well, knew that because we've been following the show. If you just watch the trailer, you don't know that. Most of that was actually scenes from like the last few episodes that kind of established what we're going into. I don't think there was any footage from... I thought there was footage from future stuff. Okay. With Ava and you've got to gotta do the job, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, okay. The other ones, though. Oh, the other ones were wonderful. They picked choice scenes, choice moments... Mm. Of Boyd, of Raylan, just to really, you know, okay, we got about 30 seconds to a minute. Here, watch this. I think you'll like the show if you watch this. Oh, and they were great moments. They had one from first or second season. Raylan has encountered Boyd out at their his little camp of refugees and stuff. He has found God, and this is his flock. And he's like, well, can I, can I talk to them? Okay. Can I address the congregation? Address the congregation. And you get basically, you know, Raylan takes his signature cowboy hat off. Because he is, he is, he's a U.S. Marshal who's a modern day cowboy. If he draws his weapon, he's going to fire it. If he's going to fire it, he's going to hit what he aims at and killing somebody. Some of the gunfights in this are awesome. Oh, yes. But here's one. He takes his hat off. He's, you know, you know, thank the Lord for the food we're about to have. Basically starts listing in his, his, his quote-unquote prayer all of the wrongdoings that the Boyd God has done. May God forgive Boyd for his many sins. Including the recent, you know, taking a rocket launcher and blowing up the, the church of, you know, the in this black neighborhood. Cut to the black people in the congregation <laughs> of, you know, half a dozen looking at him and he did what? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just... It was yeah. a great callback, not callback to the scene, it was a good replaying of the scene, re-showing of the scene. And you just instantly get a feel for the style, the tone, the characters. Yes. Anyone who's interested in essentially a police procedural. Essentially. It's, you know, U.S. Marshal. Um, so not your typical whodunit type thing. Uh, it's set in the backwoods of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. In the more poverty-stricken, less educated types. Mm-hmm. So Hicktown, USA, to a degree. And they make a point of making it as off the beaten path as possible. And they're, they're trying to go for the people who are trying to live off the grid and trying yeah. not to be found. Well, and, and Raylan is essentially picked for some of what he's done because he's from that area. Mm-hmm. He knows these people. Grew His up with some of them. father was one of these criminals. And a lot of the more city slicker types 
they go out there, they just have no idea what the hell, what, they live where, doing what? Mm-hmm. Moonshining, really, in this stage? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, it is got a sensibility that is, is unique. Raylan as a character is, again, modern day gunslinger. Well, and going back to what you said before, Raylan walks into Boyd's uh, bar at one point, looks around, pulls out his gun and shoots somebody, and then says, I hope I got that right. Well, there have been one or two where he's pulled up to a house out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, and somebody says, hey, you know, whatever, they get off on the wrong foot, I'm here as a marshal, or whatever, the guy draws a gun. Next thing you know, two other people have popped out, three people have been shot, and he's like, yeah, I sure hope I got that right, you know, or just- yes. He gets the tar beaten out of him. It's like, yeah, uh-huh. you should have seen the other guy kind of. There is a old Western kind of aspect to this mm-hmm. that is just a riot to watch. Yeah. And I think really second, third season, they hit a pinnacle of it. There were parts in the first episode and the first season, that whole thing that set a lot of this up that were just stylistically terrific. Well, and for people who watched uh, The Millers, the CBS sitcom, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to get the actress's name wrong, and I hate that. Her last name was Martindale. She played Mags uh, for one whole season Ah, on Justified, and then she went over and did The Millers. And Mags was just such an amazing character on Justified. Some of the people they've gotten to do characters. the one who played the, not the Admiral or whatever, but on Chuck, the one they would always call back to the their their military overseer. She is the wife of uh, Dr. Phlox from Voyager. Mm. I'm blanking on her name. She was in a couple of episodes, and it's just, you wouldn't recognize her, and she did just a terrific job. Well, and the thing about Justified is, it's a show populated by characters i mean not just two-dimensional they come on they do their business they go character you know go away characters but these full-bodied characters they're about as much of a character as you can get while still being a few steps shy of being a caricature yes because particularly some of the 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 hicks dewey crow and a few of those it's like can somebody really be that out of touch with reality or that stupid or whatever Mm-hmm. And but they they sell it. It's like you know, given how he grew up, given his family, given mm-hmm. his circumstance, given where he's at, mm-hmm. he's got no choice. He's he's gonna go do that. Mm-hmm. And they they sell the character. It's it's a wonderfully written show, mm-hmm. beautifully acted show. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, who who plays uh, Raylan, mm-hmm. consistently knocks it out of a park. He is just perfect for the role, and is just I, I want to see what he does next. Although I'd just be happy if they kept doing Justified. Yeah, really. Final season, the uh, uh, Elmore Leonard, who had created the, the character and stuff, has been a creative consultant up until he died uh, yeah. last year, I guess, yeah. sometime. They had already worked through what they were going to do for the end of this, uh, through this coming season, and decided, you know, that, that puts it at a nice spot. That's what we had talked with him about doing. Let's just end there. Yeah. So they've, they they may have had to eh, I don't know retool one or two things to make that an ending point maybe not. Um but it seemed to be a from what I've from where the previous season left off, fifth season. It seemed that the arc we were going to get in this the sixth and final season between um Boyd and Raylan mm-hmm. pretty much end capped where the series started 
and made it feel like a very natural progression. Yeah. Because Raven's yeah. the hero of the show. Mm-hmm. Boyd is the anti-hero of the show. Well, and there are times when you think, you know, Boyd and Raylan might be friends. It's hard to tell. And there are times when you think, you know, they're flip sides of the coin. They're just such opposites. They're not friends. They're not enemies. Yeah. They are kindred spirits. Yeah. And they have an understanding. Yeah. That at times means they will help each other. At times means they're at each other's throats. And it's it's a, the dynamic between those two has really propelled the show it, through a lot of it. It's a fascinating show. And what makes it all the more fascinating to watch is the the knowledge, whether it should be out there or not, that in the pilot, Boyd, at the end of the first episode, mm-hmm. is shot. And they intended for the character to die. But he was so popular with the test audiences. The actor, uh, Walter Goggins? Yes. Um, great actor. Oh. He has had some of the best lines, some of the yes. great soliloquies, and just very charismatic guy. And again, Timothy mm. Oliphant mm. is holding his own, too. So, I mean, you've oh, got yeah. two incredibly strong actors there. But what's interesting with, with Walter Goggins, who plays Boyd, is right before, give or take a year, that this started would have been around the time of, of what would have been the fourth season for Veronica Mars. Oh. Now, I think I saw it on YouTube, but there's a like a 10-minute pitch or whatever for it. Mm. Uh, Veronica Mars is is gone through college or whatever. She's first day at the FBI or whatever after Quantico, and she's assigned to this unit. He's the lead guy at the unit. God, what different career path that would have been. Oh, it would have not only been a different career path for him and for that show, but that would have totally, totally changed the, the chemistry of, of Justified. Oh, yeah. So if you haven't watched Justified at this point, rent, uh, Netflix, yeah. whatever, the first episode for season, get it off DV, uh, off Amazon or something like that, instant viewing or whatever, check it out. Yeah. It really sells the concept, the style, the the show. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's had some, some high points, some low points. It's never gotten to the point of, wow, that was a waste of episode. Not once. Mm-mm. And there have been a couple where just the fun I had watching a particular scene or sequence or how certain things progressed justified it in and of itself. And there have been a couple of episodes just, wow, this is just a really great show. Mm-hmm. And that was one I think it took me a season or two before I started watching because you had talked about it. Yeah, it took me a while to convince you that, yeah, people people get shot quite often. It's 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 a violent that... show. It is a, a, yeah. a viewer discretion advised kind of a show. It's not for kids. Yeah. And in that respect, you know, it's do I wish it was less violent? Yes. But on the other hand, the violence fits it. It's not gratuitous. Yeah. There was one season with the guys in the holler. Yes. Yes. That every time we got to one mm. s- one of the sets, it's like, you know, he's got like a machete. This, yes, he's using it for, you know, cutting up, you know, butcher meat or whatever. But I don't want to see what else he might use it for. Can we go somewhere else, please? Yeah. That one, you know, but, I mean, and there was a time or two. It's like, yeah, I got to block my eyes. Again, I'm squeamish. But it's one where I can tolerate a higher level of occasional gore here and there because they don't do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. But they do it because it's it's it well, fits the show. And early in season one, they make the point, um, Raylan is basically bodyguarding a judge. Mm-hmm. 
and somebody comes to attack the judge, and Raylan doesn't shoot the guy. And the judge is mad at him. This is, um, who was the actor? He was the one from News Radio. Um, I won't get his name, I'm sorry. Um, but I just crap, remember I the, know this. The he was in office space. Great, again, yeah. right actor for the role. Oh, yeah. And the judge was just railing at him. Why didn't you shoot him? And it was basically because he didn't need to be shot. Yes. Raylan doesn't shoot people for the sake of shooting them. He's shooting them because it's they got to be put down. Yeah. And he typically has gone a few times. If you do this, you cross this line, I'm going to have to shoot you. Mm-hmm. And there are times where one of the characters, uh, Win Duffy in particular, just yeah, it's a thing they do. You know, yeah. he's joking. Or no, he's not joking. You know, kind of a it's it's a it's a thing with him. You know, Win Duffy's another good character. Yeah, I wasn't sure at first about Win Duffy, but uh, and he's another one. That Jerry Burns, I think, yes. is the actor. Yes, the the quality of actors they've had on this show uh, and the 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 use they get out of them is just incredible. So yeah. again, totally recommend Justify. It's at its final season. If you've lapsed, catch up. If you haven't watched it, start at the beginning. Um, they're 13 episode seasons. I was, yeah, I was going to say, they're not full 20s, they're 13s, but they're good. If you've got absolutely nothing to do on a Saturday and you mm. get up at a reasonable hour, you could do an entire season in a day. Don't know that I'd recommend that, but... Um, yeah, but it, it's an addictive and good show. It's a fun show. Uh, Backstrom on Fox is another show that caught my eye as a maybe, maybe not. That was the Rain Williams. Rain Wilson, Wilson uh, Dennis Haysbert. The cast looked interesting. It was another, let's do a procedural, let's fill it with, in this case, quote unquote, losers. A really disgruntled guy, guy who's a preacher uh, on the side, uh, just misfits, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious enough, I'll probably want to check it out, at least the first episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll stick with it or not. Yeah. The lead seems too unlikable. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he didn't have House's charm. I enjoyed the show House, but this guy just, I don't know, his, his edges were a little too harsh. His edges are too harsh, and I don't think he's as charismatic or talented as Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Hugh Laurie is a very gifted actor, comedian, etc. Yeah. And can kind of lean over that edge without falling over it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying uh, this actor can't, but I didn't see evidence of a likable aspect or any redeeming quality in the trailer. Yeah. So, yeah, a character you like to hate uh, can work, but it's tough. Mm-hmm. And is it enough of a pol- different police procedural than every other one I'm watching on TV right now. Yeah. Of which there are a ton. Yeah. So, what else? What's next? Uh, Suits is coming back January 28th. I have not gotten you to watch Suits yet I have over not, in USA. Uh, a couple of the actors were familiar. Yeah. Um, um, I like Suits. Uh, Patrick J. Adams, who plays Mike, uh, was on an Orphan Black episode. He was mm-hmm. Jesse, the truck driver. And uh, I'm trying to think, because I know you would have recognized most of the actors, actually. The um, one I recognized was the one who was on the... Um, Rick Hoffman? Yes, Rick Hoffman. Rick Hoffman. Gina Torres. Gina Torres was the other one from Firefly, Firefly of course. And then uh, Gabriel Macht is the other lead playing uh, Harvey Specter. And it's basically 
Uh, Gina Torres, Rick Hoffman, Gabriel Mock, they're all lawyers. Uh, Rick Hoffman, who plays, um, Lit. I can't think of his first name. Louis Lit. He really wants to be a partner in the law firm. Harvey Specter is finally a partner now with Gina Torres's character. And, uh, Louis has finally figured out Mike Ross's secret that he has photographic memory. What he does not have is a law degree. Details. Yeah. Now, he has passed the bar in New York. Is that not enough? Multiple times, in fact. He's just never done it under his own name. Oh, I could see where that would be a sticking point. Uh, he used to take the bar for other people. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, in the last episode, Lewis Litt went and blackmailed his bosses to become a partner. It looked like from this it would be a, a not-so-great jumping-on point, potentially. If I were to watch it, I'd want to watch it from the beginning. That's just how yeah, I tend to yeah. do shows. Um, Rick Hoffman, I recognized mainly from the, what was the show? The guy who's guest starring on Gallivant, who was in Full House. I'm blanking on John that. Stamos. John Stamos. The show he had. Yeah, something with Jake in the title. Oh. Uh, I can't think of the show, but I know the show you mean. Yeah. Because he was a PR guy. Jake in Progress or whatever. Yes, yeah. Jake in Progress. Mm-hmm. John Stamos really needs to find the right vehicle for him he does because very talented uh he's just had a hard time finding the right role yeah um lately anyway so the suits at some point i may check out but that's one that yeah. i would just marathon through yeah it's been a good show every season again has an arc uh last season mike ross went out on his own that's on usa correct that, yeah yeah uh moving on to allegiance february 5th that's the show where the son has just gotten his new promotion into a job, as his kids call it, as a spy. That struck me as a riff on the Americans. And a lot of people are comparing it to the Americans and saying The premise that is similar enough you almost have to. Yeah, and they're saying that they hope it's not as dark and a few other things comparing it to Americans. I have all of the Americans recorded. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. I haven't watched those either. Carrie um, Russell's in that, so mm -hmm. I'm curious. Yeah, I really want to watch it. Um, Allegiance, what I saw in the trailer, didn't have anything that really grabbed me. Yeah, it it's one of those where I get what they're going for. Uh, his mother was a Russian spy. She got permission to marry an American and basically go deep and not be an active spy on condition that if they ever needed her, she become active again. And the day he becomes a spy, the Russians come out of the woodwork and say, ha ha, time to be active again. Yeah, you've been activated. Go turn your son. Yeah. The thing is, in today's political climate, I'm just wondering, is that really a realistic... This yeah. isn't the time, I think, by and large, for a good spy show. Well, it doesn't feel like the time for a good spy show for a Russian. If they had replaced it with, I hate to say it, with a North Korean family. Or Chinese, or something you a little know, more... Then, it, yeah... I guess for me, I, I Alias... I certainly wouldn't want to encourage that, but it would be more believable. Alias was the last spy show that I really resonated with. Yeah. We watched an episode or two of Covert Affairs and then kind of put that on the back burner and never really got back to it. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there are any other spy shows we've watched. Well, Chuck. Uh, but that's more comedy than spy. Yeah, yeah. Well, technically it's a spy show. It just seems like right now, 
We're getting more procedurals, we're getting more comedies, we're getting more period pieces. The, the spy genre, it's not like it's fallen out of fashion, mm. but it's its not in fashion either. It's, yeah. But it seems to me, if you're going to do a spy show and expect it to resonate, then either use a made-up country, which would be my preference, quite frankly, or use a country that... I would go in a completely different direction. Hmm. If I were going to do a spy espionage show right now, I would basically do it as corporate espionage. Replace the whole concept of countries with corporations. Yeah. And it puts a whole different spin on the thing. It would make it far more interesting. Oh, yeah. 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 It's something that I'm surprised they haven't done. Yeah. Because I mean, most of these other shows we've gotten, intelligence or stuff like that, they go a season or so, and it's a great season. Yeah, yeah. But that's about it. It's just, it's not what I think people want to watch right now. Yeah. Uh, February 17th, Perception comes back on the air for its final episodes. Perception, a TNT show about a professor who is just really knowledgeable about mental illnesses, partially because he has one. Uh, and he's a bit OCD. I think they've only got a handful of episodes left. It's a police procedural yeah. show. Uh, good cast, including LeVar Burton, who played Jordy mm. on, on uh, Next Gen as a recurring uh, uh, character. And he directs and quite he directs. a few episodes. I like the show. It's a good police procedural sort of thing. But I can also see kind of why it's ending. But with that ending, uh, White Collar just ended recently on TNT. Yeah. Oh, White Collar was USA. Oh, USA. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, what was the other? Uh, it was uh, uh, Franklin and Bash. Yes. On TNT. Mm-hmm. Both TNT and USA are ending enough shows that what I've been watching on them, it's getting, it's dropping. Yeah. And I, I get why they're ending the various shows, but... Yeah, but I'm sorry to see quite a few of my favorites going. I'm not seeing other shows, especially in the case of USA popping up to replace them. At least on TNT, I like The Last Ship. I like Legends. Librarians, The Librarians, yeah. yeah. More shows are They're coming up. They're replacing them with strong material. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, and, and Legends is a spy show, current spy show that we like. So. That's very true. Very true. Uh, February 17th, Rizzoli and Isles comes back. What we need to do before then is watch the previous season. We are behind. Yes, we are. We and... hit... Around the time Lee Thompson Young died. Yeah. And it's... He was an uh, integral part of the show. Oh, and what a fabulous actor. Did a terrific job. Was was doing a great job on Rizzoli and Isles. He played Cyborg in Smallville. He was uh, the famous Jet Jackson. And he, he, he committed suicide, um, which, you know, you, you think about an actor, it's mm. like, oh, they must have everything. And They've got their own struggles or whatever that yeah. they're dealing with. And it just is one of those things that I want to watch his last episode or two. I want to see how they send the character off. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm also in no huge rush for yeah, that. Yeah, that's the same position I'm in. I'm in no rush to say goodbye to a character I have enjoyed for five seasons. Well, with Rizzolian Isles, it's about... A detective, James Rizzoli, a homicide detective, the the lead medical examiner, uh, Moira Isles, they work in tandem, mm-hmm. best buddies, you know, practically sisters, if not really, you know. Well, um, and to the point that Jane's mother lives in the guest house over at Moira, at Moira Isles' house. 
Um, Jane's uh, two brothers are, are an integral part of the show. Her mom's obviously an integral part of the show. Dad was, so they divorced the mom, but that's played up. There is a huge family mm-hmm. aspect of who who's family by blood, who's family just by proxy or by by, by heart. By heart. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bruce McGill, um, who was in Time Cop, he was in uh, an episode or two of Quantum Leap. Uh, he was MacGyver. He was Jack, Jack Dalton. Dalton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays the more senior detective, and he's not a father figure, but a, a mentor type to Jane. So he's part of the family, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a deal. And and Barry Frost, the other detective, the one that that Lee Thompson Young played, was part of that family unit in in the the station. Not so much in the personal life, but it's one of those things that the whole family concept was so integral to the show that I'm I'm really curious how the dynamic of the show changes without him. Because yeah. it, it has to. It yeah. can't not. And we watched, I think, one or two episodes right around before he died. I think after he died, before they figured out what to do, right? Yeah. Right around that time where uh, Frankie Rizzoli, Jane's younger brother, who's a cop, was getting pulled into the detective work and seemed to be, it's like, well, he's clearly taking the place there. Yeah. So it's it's a great show. It's based on a series of books, as is a lot of things on on uh, on TNT. Um, very different than the books. Yes. And the guy who played Rizzoli's love interest, I guess, in third season, whatever season, uh, the transporter show that's on one mm. of the networks. Mm-hmm. He plays the transporter. Oh, how cool! And transporter is on my list of. I've recorded every episode. Can't wait to watch um, them. I've actually watch those. They're well worth doing. He takes over the Jason Statham role, plays it along those lines, but but makes it his own. Mm, nice. So it's it's he looks different, he's got more hair, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. But he's got the sense of style, the movement, the body language, mm-hmm. and the action sequences are impressive. It's, cool. it's they did that on a TV budget. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But it was overseas, the you know. No, that's anyways. cool. So, yeah, Rizzoli and Isles, we need to ke- catch back up on. Yeah. Uh, February 19th, CBS is putting The Odd Couple on the air with Matthew Perry. Uh, Matthew Perry and... Thomas Lennon. Thomas Lennon, who was in Reno 911. Uh, he's been in a lot of comedy things. Hmm. That could be a flop, could be a huge hit. See, and that's my feeling on it, too. I just don't know where it'll fall. I haven't found a trailer. I haven't seen anything to know where it's going to hit. Both of them I think are very strong actors. Uh, Thomas Lennon um, is is somebody who I think uh, has a following but is still vastly underrated. Mm. He's been doing stuff on TV for a long time both in an acting and a, a writing kind of a role. I don't think he would have agreed to do something like The Odd Couple if he didn't have sufficient input into it and belief that it would work. Mm. So uh, I typically don't do sitcoms. That's one I may check out the the pilot Mm. of. Interesting. I believe February 19th, uh, History Channel's Vikings comes back. For a third I haven't season. watched any of those, but that's another period piece one that seems to be doing well. Yeah, and that's one I really enjoy. They've gone for a slightly different period than a lot of the period mm-hmm. pieces are going for. God, they do the longboats so well. And just those, 
I mean, I know they film in Ireland, but they're sweeping fjords, shots, and just the scenery. If is you're going to so do amazing. a show like that, you got to pick up an appropriate mm-hmm. venue to, to shoot it in. Yeah. But I mean, I know they haven't gone you know, all the way to Norway and, you know, no, but it doesn't need but... to be all the way there, but it needs to have somewhere that's got the, 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 the I don't say the wilderness, but the scenery, mm-hmm. the, the greenery. The greenery. Yeah. And they, yeah, they get the visuals. They get a lot of the culture cool, and stuff. So, yeah, I really enjoy Vikings. It's, again, it's a more violent show than I care for. And in some respects, there are times where I just kind of listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've really enjoyed that show. So we've made it to March. March 1st, Battle Creek comes on CBS. And that is a show about two mismatched law enforcement officers, polar opposite views of the world and crime solving. Uh, breed frustration and disdain and humor between Josh Dumont, who is a special agent, and Dean Winters, who's a detective. Both of those names are familiar and having a hard time placing. Uh, Josh is from Las Vegas. Dean Winters. I know the face, but I can't tell you what he is from. It's a mismatched buddy cop drama kind of thing. Yeah, and it's also got Cal Penn on it. Which I know I know him from something. Okay, that was not one of the ones we watched a trailer for, was it? Because if so, it was a bad trailer. I no, okay, I couldn't good. find a trailer for it. All right. I was very frustrated trying to find trailers for things. That one, just the premise, okay, they were a mismatched couple that could provide an in- intrinsic mm-hmm. sense of, of drama or, or character interplay there that could be interesting. Uh, the actors, if they're the ones I'm thinking of, are, are, are decent. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the actors is what's probably going to get me to check it out. Um, Secrets and Lies. We watched that, and it seemed to be a guy is getting accused of murder, but was drugged the previous night, so he doesn't know if he did it or not. And there was nothing about that that made me think, I want to watch that. Yeah. They didn't really sell me on caring about the kid who was killed, or liking the guy who's accused of it, or anything of the sort. Yeah, it's Ryan uh, Philippi, probably said his name wrong, uh, Juliet Lewis. It had some, some name people. It also had... Um, Katie Strickland from Private Practice. The one from Empire. Uh, Terrence Howard? I thought he played the sheriff. No, he was in... Wayward I'm Pines. thinking of Wayward Pines. That's okay. No, this is uh, the one where, yeah, the Good Samaritan goes to murder a suspect. But he's the one who finds the body. Yeah. Yeah. And no, but I agree with your, I mean, it. The the trailer didn't sell me. No. And then, yeah. I mean, he, somebody, a neighbor drugged him the night before, possibly to try and get to have sex with him. It was hard to tell. And he didn't know what happened the night before. Was he at a party? What was going on? Yeah. Yeah. There were too many unanswered questions put forward in the trailer, so you didn't know. They didn't successfully pitch the concept yeah. in the trailer. Really is what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, that's an ABC show that I just, I don't know, if I see another commercial between now and then, because I watch quite a few ABC shows, maybe something will sell me on it, but. At this point, I'm unlikely to watch it myself. Yeah. And that goes back to, I just have so many shows I'm watching. Uh, March 4th, CSI Cyber comes on. That one, you had me watch the episode of whichever CSI it spun out of. Mm-hmm. 
it was interesting, a little unbelievable on the uh, the, the computer side. Yeah. But out of any of the CSI ones, it would be the most likely one for me to watch up until I got fed up with the unrealism. Yeah. So, again, I've never really watched any of the CSIs on a, any sort of regular basis. I've seen an episode here or there. Um, it's just... It's funny because I don't. I, I like a good police procedural, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that tended to be so much on just the scene of the crime, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, I don't know. It just wasn't enough for me. Yeah. Or I was watching too many other shows when they launched, and I just never got into them. Yeah. Uh, March fifth, Dig comes up on USA. That one looked. I don't know. It looked good, but not of the least bit of interest to me. Yeah, it, it the trailer we watched, we watched two trailers. It it looked really visually fascinating and yet there wasn't enough information about plot. It almost seemed for, like some murder had turned up that through the course of the investigation was going to cause people to totally rethink all of human history. Yeah. Um, I'm glancing at a press release and it says when he sets out to solve the murder of a young American, Pierre soon finds himself embroiled in an international mystery that delves into the Holy Land's darkest secrets. Yeah, it again, some people may find that fascinating. There was nothing in the trailer that hooked me in terms of actors, concepts, or characters. Yeah, that was the one that had uh, Anne Hesch. It had some good name people. Yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, the guy from Awake. Uh, Jason Isaacs. There we go. Yeah. And I mean. And he did a great job in Awake. I mean, if somebody yeah. hasn't watched that show. I loved Awake. It had basic some great concept. Stuff. He is a police detective. He gets into a wreck. He wakes up. His wife is dead. He's going through that. He goes to bed. He wakes up. It's the f- same day, but this time his son is dead. His wife's alive. So yeah. he, he's flipping between two realities. Yeah. One in which he's the you know he survived and his wife survived but lost the son and that's tearing apart the marriage. The other he's drifting away from his son because they're both getting over the loss of of the mom. Mm-hmm. And it lasted thirteen episodes. Um, I thought the ending was suitable. Yeah. A little, little out there, but uh, yeah. it resolved. Yeah. Um. So if you're gonna watch something with him, I would watch that. Not to not this not dig. Yeah, I just don't know enough about dig. Uh, totally, totally different kind of show. On the 15th of March, E! is trying their hand at a scripted show with the Royals. If you're into tabloid journalism and, and how rough it must be to be the royal family, which is something I'm sure we can all totally relate to. I can't, sorry. Uh, it had, uh, it looked like decent cast. It had some interesting ideas. I have zero interest in the the premise. Yeah, it just it looked like something where the original concept might have had potential, but the execution just left me kind of baffled. I don't need the E Network uh, or Entertainment e- News Network. Entertainment News Network. Yeah. That, that channel. I don't need them to do a scripted drama. Yeah, it just yeah, yeah. Okay, CBS has a mini series called Dove Keepers coming out, which Roma Downey is doing. And oh, interesting. Yeah. What's the premise? It's, yeah, that one was a little hard to tell from what they put out. It seemed to be um, 
a four-hour limited event series about a group of extraordinary women whose lives intersect in a flight for survival at the Siege of Masada. That's all they gave us. All right, then. Next. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, yeah. She did great with Touched by an Angel and stuff like that. Uh, Dove Keepers, it almost seemed like it might have a religious overtone there, but yeah. that premise tells me absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's definitely a period piece and has great you know, wardrobe and the scenery and everything. Uh, and it's based on novel. The few things I've seen, it looks pretty good. But beyond that, I don't know enough to know. I'm happy period pieces have come back. Mm-hmm. Because it shows a willingness for a, a studio to invest a bit more into a show. Yeah. Uh, with the costumes, the, the sets, all that kind of a thing. For a while, we just weren't getting. Yeah. But a lot of these also are not periods I'm particularly interested in. Yeah. Well, and... I mean, you again, it goes back to you have to be in the mood to watch it. I don't know if I'll watch AD when it comes out on April 5th, but I'm intrigued that on the heels of the Bible, AD is coming out. Again, I think there's an audience for that. Mm -hmm. uh, not something I need to watch. Yeah. It looked phenomenally well done, production yeah. value-wise. Yeah, and that's part of why I wanted to see the trailer is just... The quality that's coming out these days is remarkable. I guess for me it comes down to is uh, is there any period and place or setting that I would just find so fascinating that it's, if they would only tell any story there, mm. I would just be in for it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's got to be one, but none's really coming to mind. Mm. I yeah. mean, if, if somebody were to do, again, the, the swashbuckling, the, the, the Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, or, you know, that sort of thing... Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were to do a spy caper heist kind of a thing, but it's it's a period piece in that kind of medieval England. That could be fun. Be hard to pull off. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. They gotta think outside the box. That's all I'm saying. So what else we got? Um, moving on to April 18th, Orphan Black comes back for their third season. Trailer could have been better. They did one that was basically each clone doing another clone, which, if you know the show, is really cool. And we've seen the scenes. If you haven't seen it, you're like, huh? Mm -hmm. The other one was basically where the clones are going to war or whatever. I think they could have pitched it better. I really think that uh, Tatiana... Uh, Maslani. Maslani. The way she does the different characters. Oh, it's amazing. It's one of those that th they are so different. Mm -hmm. The body language, the the voice, the the, the speaking style, uh, everything. Mm -hmm. Um, she is just um phenomenal. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the show coming back. I think it's well written, well done. The direction they're taking it in, I I hope they've got more of a game plan than I was sensing at the end of the last season. Yeah, but. I'm there for the ride, unless yeah. they really, really go badly, uh, which I doubt will happen. And the last show I put on the list is May 14th, Wayward Pines. And part of why I put it on the list is the cast. Terrence Howard is the sheriff. Matt Dillon is the lead. Uh, Juliette Lewis is in it. Shan Sossaman from A Knight's Tale. Who we did not see in the trailer. We did not. And I did not see uh, Reed Diamond in the trailer either, but I'm convinced Reed Diamond is trying to be on every show on Either the Either every show this or season. at least every network. Wow, he's yeah. just all over the... He, 
he's one that arguably is a bit of a character actor, but he's a really strong actor. He is. And he he's really good about picking good roles for him yes. himself or his, his agent or whatever. Someone is guiding him very well, yes. Uh, what he was doing on Franklin and Bash was really good. What mm-hmm. he did back in the day on Dollhouse was great. Mm. Uh, the, the role he's playing on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is good. Where else are we seeing him these days? couple of other places he just seems to be ubiquitous yeah um but in a good way he's, yeah. he's he's managing his time and career well but with uh wayward pines this seems to be a mashup from what i could tell of twin peaks and the prisoner basically a guy who's a, a special agent for the secret service or yeah i'm not sure they ever said what he was a special agent a special for. agent of, of some government branch looking for two missing agents, uh, one of which winds up dead, goes to the this town of Wayward Pines and realizes he's trapped there, and it's a kind of odd town, much in the way Twin Peaks was odd. But it's also walled off, and he you can't leave. Kind of like, again, the classic Prisoners storyline. Yeah. And uh, it's been more than five weeks for the other special agent who says that we're being watched... And things go better if you play along. Which, again, reminds me of the prisoner. You're in the village. Yeah. If you play your part, you're okay. If you go against the grain, you're not. Not that yeah. I've ever watched the prisoner. But it it was dark. Yeah. It was, it's by M. Night Shyamalan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have the David Lynch Twin Peaks sensibility, but it seems to be trying to go for the, the isn't this odd? Yeah. And it comes off a little creepy versus quirky. Yeah. And even Twin Peaks crossed the line a few times. I'm pretty sure uh, Wayward Pines is somehow connected to a book. Wouldn't surprise me. It's one that could it be the Twin Peaks of the current time, because it's been 20 plus years since Twin Peaks. Maybe. Mm, yeah. But it's not one. It's got me more interested in rewatching maybe the first season of Twin Peaks, so that the second kind of sucked. Than in watching that show. Yeah, it's based on the best-selling novel Pines by Blake Crouch. All right. So. It does seem to be a trend of a lot of TV shows being based off books these days. Yeah. And it's a 10-episode event thriller. Huh. Evocative of the classic hit Twin Peaks. Boy, did you read the press release and not tell me? Nope. 10 episode, though, makes me think it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. That actually gives me a lot more hope. Uh, Twin Peaks, I think one of its failings was going on too long. Mm. They should have done the story, and that's it. Move it and go on. Well, and I think sometimes these shows are coming from books in part because having that concrete source material assures both the people buying it, if you will, and the audience. We know there's a beginning, middle, and end. Well, it's a catch-22 because you want, for a book, you got to have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. For a TV show, you want to have a beginning, middle, and end so it's got payoff. But if it doesn't succeed, you need to be able to cut it short and wrap it up quicker. Mm-hmm. So you got to have some escape hatches in there. But if it succeeds and you've ended it, well, now what? So if you're smart, you get something that's based on the first of a series of books mm-hmm. that you can keep going with. Mm-hmm. And... Or going back to Justified, that was a character in a short story, basically, who had other books. 
but they didn't base Justified on a specific book. They based it on a character out of. I think with that, they hit a character that, that has iconic aspects to him. He's not an iconic character. Mm-hmm. But again, you look at some of the uh, the the stills they use to promote Justified. Mm-hmm. He's reclined in the chair. He's got the hat. He's got the pose. It's the you don't mess with this gunfighter pose kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Um, but I think they also got lucky with Justified with the Boyd Crowder character, which gives the show a whole nother level, a whole nother side to it. Mm-hmm. And having Elmore Leonard, uh, the, the writer, as a creative consultant to, to say, well, try this, do this. Mm-hmm. And there were times they didn't do what he wanted. Yes. Because I think you were telling me he didn't like the hat. Oh, the, he hated the hat. But the hat was a signature aspect of the character. Well, and to the point that there was one scene and somebody posted something on Facebook the other day that made me think of this scene, in fact. Because there's a scene where, I think it's even Dewey Crowder, goes into a shop and, you know, it's summer, it's the middle of Kentucky, and he says, I need to buy a ski mask. Guy looks at him like, you're right, I'm going to sell a disreputable looking criminal type a ski mask and not wonder why. Yeah, in the dead of summer. Uh-huh, not happening. It was really, no. Dewey looks around, sees a hat that looks just like Raylan's. He says, then I'll take that hat. Yeah, it's enough of a signature people recognize. I mean, when there was a point in the series where the cop with the hat got shot. Yes. Well, it must have been Raylan. Who else wears a hat? Yes. Yeah, it's, if you're going to base it on a book, you can do it. If you're going to base it on a character out of a book, at least get a dynamic character. Mm-hmm. But again, I think with Justified, what makes it work is access to the source creator uh, the, the, the discussions I think he had with the actors and stuff, mm-hmm. the respect they have for his work, both on that and, I mean, Elmore Leonard did tons, Get Shorty, uh, uh, yeah. a ton of other movies. Um, so they, they realized they, they had something there. Yeah. And they, they made it work. Um, with a lot of these, if you were to just take a random character out of a book, if you don't understand the book or what makes it work, can you take that property and stay true to it while adapting it and changing it as needed for television? Hmm. Rizzoli and Isles, to me, is a good example of that. These are fundamentally different characters and such than we get in the books, as best I can tell, mm-hmm. not having read any of the books. But they capture enough of the sensibility and have their own sensibility in the TV show. It's, it's a buddy cop thing, but with women instead of men. Well, I started reading through one of the books, and the first thing I noticed was that uh, Jane was meeting... The boyfriend. No, no. Uh, uh, Mora? No. No, the uh, older cop. Uh, um, Korshak? For the first time. So when they meet versus... Yeah. Yeah, and in the show, at one point... Uh, well, first of all, in the show, when we start, they've been partners for a long time, but then something happens on the significant anniversary of for these two yeah. as partners. I thought they started the show at the right spot yeah. with Zerlian Isles to flash back on they've been partners for this. This is a ramification of an earlier case. This is why she trusts him, Yeah, you know, and why she may be a little gruff to other people Yeah, in terms of Rizzoli. Um, 
it, it does surprise me though with Legends Last Ship, uh, how many things are being based off of 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 written material. If you expand that to not only books but comics, then mm. you can include Gotham, Arrow, Flash, Shield, uh, Constantine, etc. Yeah, definitely. It's showing a more—I don't want to say a more literate side of Hollywood, but well, but definitely a respect for the written material and the response that written material has gotten from its audience. It shows that they're looking that they realize story matters. Yeah. And that, to me, is clear not only in where they're pulling story from, but the stories they're writing unique to television. They're putting more effort on there needs to be a plot line. There needs to be an ongoing storyline. There needs to be character growth. There needs to be more depth, more substance, more to it. We can't just coast on our laurels, toss a couple of one-liners in front of, you know, a, a three-camera shoot for a sitcom thing. We need more to it. Well, Again, your your comments about uh, Melissa and Joey, the ramifications, the the things there, I think uh, bears that out. I was intrigued to recently see Beauty and the Beast having some novel tie-ins at the bookstore, mm-hmm. as well as Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. It's been quite a while since I saw so many TV shows having novels on both sides. I think we're getting to a point where... I don't want to use the term transmedia because I don't really like it, but we're seeing properties floating between, mm-hmm. be it comics, books, movies, television. I mean, the the Shield crossovers with the movies and stuff, somewhat unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there have been a few things like it in the past, but not to this level. I mean, well, you can go as far back as the Batman movie for the, the TV show, for that kind of a, here's stuff in a TV, it plays out in the movie, it continues you know, in the same narrative universe there. But it's a one-off movie versus what we're getting here. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing uh, uh, Once Upon a Time showing up as original graphic novels over at Marvel. We're seeing, you know, that uh, TV shows continuing as comics when they end. So we're seeing a, a definite fluidity of where properties can play out. Orphan Black has a comic book coming out. Yeah. And a lot of these, Orphan Black and, and Star Trek are good examples the creative team behind the TV shows are very influential in how the comics are coming out. Mm. So it's not that they're licensing the stuff, they're using it to tell a bigger story. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Revolution that did a TV season, had the game, does the TV season kind of a deal. Mm, Defiance. Defiance, you're right, it was Defiance, not Revolution, Defiance, my mistake. No, that's okay. But I knew somebody did it, yeah. that's the point. Um, yeah. So it's it's fun to see. I think in terms of, of the, the spring season, frankly, there's not a whole lot I'm all that excited about. Uh, noticeable absence, iZombie. I triple-checked while we were doing the podcast, and it still says coming soon. I think they're waiting for another slot to put it in. I don't know what the holdup is, but uh, Rob Thomas, who did uh, Veronica Mars, uh, Rose McIver, uh, who was Tinkerbell in mm. Once Upon a Time, also was a Power Ranger and stuff, so again, mm-hmm. tested actress. It could be totally appalling to me. It could be too gory for me. It could be mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on Veronica Mars and Rob Thomas being involved with it, and again, it's based on some source material. Not that I, I, I've never read the comic actually, mm-hmm. um, but it seems like something that, that could work. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. Um, but very little of the trailers we watched and the shows we've talked about were aimed at a target audience I feel I'm part of. Again, Empire, it looks like it's going to be amazing. I just don't care about it. 
Well, and the flip side to that is so many of the shows that came out at the beginning of the season that we were so happy with are staying on. Yes. And not getting canceled out from under us forever. Scorpion. Um, Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Arrow, Gotham. Um, yeah. We've had I a mean, couple of shows ending on us, though. We've had uh, White Collar End. True. Uh, Perception is ending. Franklin mm-hmm. and Bash ended. Um, there are a couple of shows that, which is fine. We need yeah. a couple to go away to make room for the new. Yeah. We are, the nice thing in this day and age is not only DVRs, but DVRs mm. that allow you to plug in external hard drives. Yeah, yeah. To where you can have a pretty infinite number of, of shows on there. Yeah. Um, because again, we recently caught up on not the current season, but the previous season, the end of that for Scandal. Yeah. So it takes us a Which while. Which I enjoyed. That's oh, a great show. I And I will say that's a show I enjoy marathoning. I like watching the pieces come together on Scandal. That was one, particularly when they killed off one of the characters. Mm. You get the, the surprise death at the end of an episode, and then the next to really kind of immerse in it, if you will. That mm. yeah. actor mm. got some of his best material in his final at least presumably is his final episode yeah he dies they can do flash they do flashbacks a lot in scandal so yeah come yeah back. but yeah i don't know that that would have played out as well for me if we'd watched it on a week-to-week basis yeah and as much as i read comics as they come out i am very much in the equivalent of waiting for the trade paperback when it comes to watching television yeah we frequently marathon a lot of the shows we watch well and by the Flip side, you know, there are some shows, Castle, Arrow, yeah. Flash, I want to see it the week it airs. And, you know, I come over here twice a week so that I can say, okay, it aired this week. Pull it up. Let's, yeah. you know. But that's also part of why we do a lot of stuff on tape delay. Yes. Yes. Is that allows us to, you know, by the time we get to my place, we've got dinner, we're sitting down. It's like 630. Yeah. So we've got three and a half hours, four hours, maybe, yeah. if we've gotten an early start, to, to watch some stuff. If that's three or four TV shows, because we're playing with commercials, that's a waste of time. Yeah. But there are times we can easily get, you know, four or five, sometimes a little more than that, if we've gotten a quick start. Mm-hmm. Um, so DVRs are your friend. Skipping commercials are your friend, I think. Mm-hmm. I've, I have little patience for commercial television these days. Well, the flip side to that, though, is I spent half an hour today trying to find a commercial I wanted to show you. That is true. I do miss out on some of the entertaining commercials, but so, I'm okay with that. Yeah, but there's an irony to that. I have a short attention span. A commercial break goes too long and I forget what I'm watching. Admittedly, it was a commercial for a TV show, but still, it was funny. Well, and there are times where we're watching Arrow or Flash. They'll have a commercial for the other. And, ah, well, let's let's watch that. I want to see that. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I think, again, we've still got a strong TV season. Mm. Uh, for me, as much of it because of what's continuing. Yes. More than what's starting. Yeah. But when we hit either, if it looks like we're going to have a strong summer season, we may do another episode mm-hmm. there. We may wait till the fall season. If people have thoughts, let us know. Well, one thing I want to mention is usually the season these days is 22 episodes. Mm-hmm. ABC extended a few of their shows to be 24 episodes, but they couldn't do that with How to Get Away with the Murder because of the contract Viola Davis had signed. It said she would be in a specific number of episodes. Mm-hmm. 
So if they extended the season, it would have to be without her. So that show actually ends February 26th. That's interesting. Which I... I still haven't watched any of those. Yeah, I've been recording it. That was one that I have feeling would be a marathon it and just slot all those pieces together. We're either going to have to start doing some Saturday marathons or or agree to watch a few things separately. Yeah, but that was why I wanted to mention in case people are watching it. So that sudden ending didn't sneak up on people with yeah. a wait, I thought there would be more. Yeah. Or a, I thought that that was a break before a hiatus. That is the end of the season coming up. Again, uh, Chandra's doing some great stuff over on... Uh, she is. Scandal. I, I got off Grey's Anatomy a while ago just because the gore factor. I'm current with that one and I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'll admit, I'm addicted to Grey's Anatomy still. There's a compelling aspect to the melodrama aspect of some of these shows. Because there are times that, that Scandal is anything but subtle. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those that I think some people are there for the politics, some are there for the, the marketing, you know, media mm-hmm. spin, advertising, you know, how do you, how do you make this play, uh, for the public? And there's some that are there for the, the love and the romance. Mm-hmm. And typically, mm-hmm. frankly, I'm not there for the love and the romance. Yeah. But when the character died and we saw the love story there, Again, some of that material was just phenomenal for the actor to work with. Yeah. Um, well, I like it when the writers take the time to really give a character their due and not just say the character, their trajectory meant they needed to die and thus they're dead and thus we move on. If it had been a, a bang, he's dead. It's a bang, he's dead. Now we're going to going to give you an entire episode to really understand why you're going to miss the character. Mm. If, if you didn't like him before, you're mm-hmm. going to love him by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And really, I don't say rubbing your nose in it, but th- mm-hmm. that's what they did. It, it, yeah. it was just a very great episode. Mm-hmm. So, plenty of good stuff to watch. Uh, we'll do more of these as, as you know, time permits, as new shows come on and are worth doing. Uh, I do want to do more episodes, obviously, with Sam on the rating stuff as we hit the end of the season after May sweeps or whenever it seems appropriate. I'm going to let him kind of drive some of that. Uh, He's doing, just like you did the heavy lifting here with getting the shows and the trailers, uh, Sam's doing the heavy lifting on on the ratings one. Uh, I found that discussion I had with him on how the ratings are going so far very eye-opening. When I was going through the spreadsheet he put together and it's like, wow, you look at some networks, their comedy lineups, they, they got nothing. Yeah. Or nothing that's lasting. Everything looks like it's ending or all they have are these really long-term shows. And if those age out, it really made me question how effectively the programming directors at these networks have been over. The, and it may be that they inherited some of this, too, but over the last uh, four or five years. Yeah. Because, as I told Sam, if I were running a network, granted, we've talked a lot about cable shows, but, you know, Fox, ABC, NBC, mm-hmm. even if I was doing a, a cable show, I would want a mix of new, mm-hmm. first season type stuff that's successful. Mm-hmm. I would expect, uh, you know, half a quarter to, to a half to, to, to weed out. Maybe I'm only left with a quarter, but at least one or two strong shows coming out of each season to, to, to move forward. I'd want to have a couple that I've had on the air for as long as I can have them. Mm-hmm. And I want to have a lot in every stage in between. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to get to where I would have a lineup of, gosh, all I've got are these new smash hits, but nothing with any tenure. 
Mm-hmm. Or all I've got is stuff with tenure, but nothing new. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of these people are, these these networks yeah. are. So when I hit a, a, a slate like we just went through for the spring season and not a whole lot really grabbed me. Yeah. If they needed to grab me, yeah, they're in trouble. Fortunately, Gotham with, with yeah, exactly. Arrow, I mean, I'm watching a ton of TV, as you well know. Yeah. Um, and I'm reading a lot of comics. I'm a busy guy. Well, it was a very strong fall lineup. Yes. Well, I think particularly for comic book fans. Yeah. Because some of what we talked about in this episode uh, are not intrinsically interesting to comic fans, but I think there are also a lot of shows that will be. Well, in several of the shows, they caught my interest caught my interest for casting reasons yes. more than plot reasons. And usually it's the other way around for me. I guess my point is right now, this season, there have been more comic book shows on the air mm. mm-hmm. than I think we've had in some entire decades. Yeah. And we're getting, again, such great stuff. But it's easy to say, well, that's all I'm going to watch. I mean, there's other things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you can't find a TV show you're liking, yeah, look harder. And granted, it's harder to find these days because I don't think TV Guide is in the position it once was if here's everything that's coming out uh, in terms of the, the new fall seasons and stuff. I'm sure there are websites out there devoted to this. I just haven't really looked for one. Well, I used to flip through TV Guide for the recommendations of shows. And now it feels like TV Guide has more articles with spoilers. I would say right now the so, best place to find trailers and information about upcoming shows is IMDb. Yeah. I think it's really feeling, uh, filling a needed niche there. Yeah. So, again, if any of these shows sounded interesting, search on IMDb. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll get you to the TV stuff uh, for the show. It often will have a click here for a trailer. Mm-hmm. Or go to uh, YouTube, put in the show. And look, uh, you know, XYZ show trailer. Yeah. And you'll find stuff. Yeah. And if there are any shows that you know of or are watching and we haven't mentioned, definitely tell us. We'd love to know. Yeah. If there's stuff that we ought to be watching and we're not. Yeah. By all means, uh, post on the forum, shoot us an email, something. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, our DVRs are expandable and have space. Can And if they don't, I can go hit fries and buy another hard drive. Um, so that's that's... One of the nice things, finding the time to watch it, that takes a little work, but again, it's easy to marathon through a season. I mean, again, we could catch up on that Musketeers show on a weekend. Yeah. It's just finding that weekend. Anything else? Is that going to do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.